Welcome to CAE Pilot Podcast, a podcast that brings together aviation professionals to discuss life as a pilot, training, and career advice. You can find us at cae.com forward slash CAE Pilot dash podcast or subscribe to our show on your audio podcasting platform of choice. You can also find our video podcast on our YouTube channel. Leonard, thank you so much uh, for joining us on uh, the podcast. Where are you joining us from today? Uh, I'm joining from uh, Antwerp in Belgium. I believe that you graduated from CAE. You did your pilot training at CAE. Yeah, exactly. When I uh, enrolled in school, we still called the Sabina Flight Academy, I guess. Uh, but I finished my training at the CAE Oxford Aviation Academy in Brussels. And where did your career take you after that? Um, well, after graduating, um, Honestly, it was hard to find a job. Ryanair had just stopped hiring people, so I was without a job for six months. Then I, um, just to keep busy and to be in the right uh, branch, let's say, I uh, started cleaning aircraft here at the uh, Antwerp airport. And then just by accident, I met the uh, operations manager uh, while cleaning an aircraft from a different company, so a lot of things together. And um, she asked me, to send her my, uh, my CV, and that's where I uh, was started, and I, uh, I'm still working now. And so you ended up then in uh, private or business aviation as a pilot. So tell us a little bit about being um, uh, a pilot uh, in the business aviation field. Honestly, to start with, I would say it's uh, different than, than uh, airlines or cargo pilots or whatever, because we... Um, we fly for customers more than for, uh, for a certain company. Um, so that gives us, first of all, a lot of variation in what we do. We meet a lot of different customers with different wishes, different destinations, different uh, reasons for flying even. Um, but also uh, it gives some kind of freedom. If I, if I compare to other airlines who take 200 passengers to Madrid and back, they had a busy day. They did a lot of good things for the, those 400 people moving uh, abroad. But um, I enjoy, uh, for, my, for my job, I really enjoy the fact that we follow the people. The people have a mission. They want to go there. They want to stay there for two nights. They want to continue. They want to come back. They want to change their mind, whatever. We'll be there uh, in the flight deck taking care of them, uh, attending to their wishes. And what's it like to be, because um, on a business jet, you're obviously in very close proximity to, um, to your customer. You, as you say, you all, you develop uh, almost a relationship if you're flying with uh, with for one company or with with a, one principal. Mm -hmm. um, tell us a little bit about the customer service aspect of your your job because I think that is what really differentiates um, uh, a private pilot, maybe from an airline pilot, is the number of tasks that you do. Uh, during a day, and I'll give an example. The first time when I first got into business aviation and I saw a pilot um, taking care of the, the baggage, mm -hmm. I was very surprised because um, obviously at an airline, there are people who take care of that. So tell us a little bit about the uh, customer service aspect of being a private pilot. Well, uh, as a private pilot, of course, um, more than with the larger companies, you are the uh, ambassador for the brand even you're representing. So... Um, that means that, first of all, we are the contact point for our passengers if there's anything wrong, if they want to change any plans or whatever. But also, um, we, um, 
to go wait in the airport to um, to take the passengers to the aircraft. So uh, from the moment they start their, let's say, flying experience, there will be one of us uh, joining them through security, through whatever. And indeed, as we get to the aircraft, we help the um, the handling agents with with loading luggage and, and whatnot. So um, that indeed gets a gets you pretty close to these people, but especially, of course, uh, when flying, you do share the same uh, cabin. And I was uh, flying the Citation XLS before, which has no door, so we're just sitting right in front of the people. Um, and I remember when I first started, it was, it was, it put some pressure on, because you felt like if there's two people in the back and two people in the front, they're looking at you, like in, in if I compare that to, to taking 190 passengers to Madrid, if you make a puppy landing, if, if there's anything wrong, the people will be like, what happened? But they will go on holiday, they will be fine. On the other hand, in my, my job, uh, the people know my name, the people know my face. If there is something, they will come to the front of the aircraft and say, what's, what's going on, what's up? So it puts uh, some kind of pressure on you. But on the other hand, um, it also opens the door um, for like, Honest communication, I would say. Like, there is no reason to lie. There is no reason to to tell stories to the passengers. That's something I, I learned from the beginning, working where I work now. Um, that we just have to be honest, and it, it kind of works um, for most of the time. If there is a reason we can't go somewhere, we just go to the people. We sit down and we say, "I'm sorry, I know you were going to go skiing or whatever, but the airport is closed. There is something with the aircraft. There is it's it's." It gives you more stress because you're being watched like most of the time that you're working, but it also um, grants you the opportunity to, to, to talk to the people if there would be any issue or problem or, or something you want to share. So it's, it, it works both ways, I guess. And the other thing that's, uh, that's interesting about business aviation for people who are not mm-hmm. particularly familiar with it is there's, there's a schedule, but there's not really a schedule. So, you know, I think one of the advantages of business aviation to, to someone who, um, who uses it is the fact that when they show up at the aircraft, they're ready to go. And, uh, you know, so that obviously is a big difference. You're not working on a firm schedule. You're working on your customer's schedule. And so tell me some of the challenges that come from, from that. Well, the challenge is the first thing that pops into my mind is um, whatever the flight, whatever the mission is, you always take a toothbrush and a spare pair of underwear with you because you never know. It can literally be someone who says, I have a one hour meeting in London, so we fly from Brussels to London, and you expect to fly back one hour later, but suddenly they, they want to go to their beach house somewhere, whatever, you never know and you're gone. So it's in, in that but in that case, there is no real way of like saying like, oh, I didn't bring my toothbrush, so I, I guess we'll have to go back to Brussels. You just say yes, you go with it, and you uh, you just have to adapt. But for me, it's 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 a fun thing. I really don't mind. I um, I I am quite free. I have hobbies and, and friends and whatever. But I, I wouldn't mind going on a one day mission, which turns out to be a four day mission. So it's 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 just part of the the variation and the. Um, yeah, the excitement of the, the job, really, never knowing where you're really going to end up. So That must be uh, interesting in terms of your home life, however. You know, thinking you're going to leave for, for a day, and there you are off for a week or, or longer. 
It, I, I do believe it can be difficult to manage. Um, however, for me, I'm, I'm single now, so maybe that's my, my luck. So indeed, we, we have to be available a lot, but it doesn't mean we are constantly available. Uh, for example, um, same day flights, you uh, always have the right to say like, yeah, today that's, that's just too short notice. I'm, I'm not available. Of course, the company wants you to, they would like you to, to be able to fly. That's, that's why they call you. That's why they hired you. But um, so there's some flexibility on that. And also um, the thing that really works for me is we have a set amount of days off uh, per month. Like people who do a night without job, they have two days weekend every week. We have the same days, but we get to choose them freely. So it actually works for me because sometimes there will be a weekend that there is no barbecues, no parties, like exactly what's happening now with the Corona crisis. <laughs> um, and I wouldn't mind working on a weekend. It's, it's really lovely driving to the airport on Sunday, there's nobody there. It's, it's so, it, I, I really don't mind. And still we get enough guaranteed days off. So it's, it's not like we're, we're sacrificing our social lives or our, our personal lives just for the job. Of course, they ask for a lot of flexibility, but that's, that's really one of the reasons that I enjoy it so much, that it's, it's something different every day. So you're, you're say, what I'm hearing you say is that it's a lifestyle more than a job. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. If you, if you choose this job, you can be sitting there and looking at how many days do I get there and what's this and what with Christmas and whatever. You just say like, this is the job I want to do. And me and my company, we will find a way to make it work uh, for everyone, for the customers, for the pilots and for, for any operations or whatever uh, requirements. So it's, it's indeed more, than a, more of a lifestyle. And you, you talked a little bit uh, just now about, uh, you know, flying during um, the coronavirus or the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of the stories we hear are of people not flying right now. Yeah. But you've, you've yeah, had the opportunity to fly. So tell us a little bit about what it's like to fly right now. What it's like, how it's maybe how it's changed or maybe how it hasn't changed uh, since the pandemic started. Well, um, the few flights I did, I think I did four or five uh, days of flying since the start of the lockdown in Belgium, which was uh, March 17th. Um, I uh, have been flying with, with the same colleague now um, on uh, accidents for, the, for those days. And uh, as I was talking to him, he's been flying for 30 years. I was saying like this must have been what flying was like in like the 80s or the 90s. It's, it's super quiet on frequency. There's no waiting anywhere at airports or whatever. So it, it just feels like, like we, we went back in time and there's not thousands of aircraft. It's just us and some cargo aircraft there, some positioning aircraft there. So it's really quiet and, and actually in some kind of way relaxing, but also not because you know it's not it's not a good thing that's happening it's it's a really bad thing that so many aircraft are grounded so it's uh it's different it's it's calm but it's it doesn't feel real so i prefer to to go back to normal and i know what you're saying i drove by the airport here in montreal a few days ago and just to see the aircraft parked is one thing but also what struck me was the empty parking lots parking lots that are always packed and now all of a sudden there's not even one car in them. It's, it's almost eerie. Have you, have you found that, that it's, a, it's an eerie feeling? It, it is uh, in some ways, but also um, a part of being in business aviation is that we usually um, depart from the business aviation terminals. So there it's, there's always parking space. We're, we're not so busy as, the, as a main terminal. So it's, it's harder for me to see. I really don't cross many like 
regular terminals. But uh, but even even in our parking lot, it's it's visible that people are not flying, people are not coming to the office. It's it's uh, it's indeed an, an eerie feeling. And are there any new protocols that you've had to adopt? Um, you mentioned that you've been flying with the same colleague uh, for consistently now. But are there yeah. any protocols that have been put in place? Uh, well, I guess like in, in most of the aviation industry, we uh, started using math masks wherever available uh, or wherever possible. Um, we, uh, we have hand sanitizer everywhere. The aircraft are um, sanitized after every flight with passengers. So it's, it's, it's put a different kind of stress on, on all people involved. Like the clean team, now suddenly they, they're disinfecting aircraft. That's not something we were really used to doing. Of course, it was clean, but like it's, uh, it's a different like, world we live in at this time. But it's, I guess it's okay. The only thing uh, with the math masks is the, it plasma glasses. That's the only thing that annoys me. Other than that, I'm, I'm fine with, with going along with it and trying to, to help it make, uh, make it go away. As you can see, I have the same problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, we all know that there are stereotypes for different mm -hmm. types of pilots. So I wanted to run um, through some of them with you. Um, about private pilots and then you can tell me yeah. uh, whether they're true or just uh, they're fact fiction um, or uh, well you can tell me if they're fact or fiction so the okay. first one is and we've talked about it a little bit is that as a private pilot you can't have you don't have a life you're always on call uh, well that's that's fiction it's uh, as I as I said before we have the other days we have uh, the, the right to refuse Sunday flights um, it's not really not having a life is just kind of finding a way to to adapt the life to the uh, off days you have, like the availability, the the customer expects. Um, and also, what's important to remember is that even if you own your own aircraft, people don't fly every day. People have things to do. They have to go to work. They have uh, children or whatever. They, they have things to do, so they don't fly every day. Even if you would fly full time for one family or one customer you would still be able to enjoy a, a personal life uh, and some free time, just maybe not the fixed uh, Thursday schedules or, or whatever, like, like having a, a, a fixed hobby on a, on a particular day in the week. That's going to be difficult because you won't have every Monday off. But I'm sure if you have a birthday some Monday, you can get an off day. You can, there, there's always a way to, uh, to manage it. The other one that you hear a lot is that uh, you always have super bizarre requests from your customers that there's always something crazy happening or they're always looking for a specific thing uh specific they really are they 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 most of them are particular people they know what they want when they want something and they want it the way they expect it but to say crazy not necessarily i've i've, I've had people who who requested a hot pizza upon departure from i think it was rome it was somewhere in italy and the, the passengers wanted a pizza on board um, thing is, on the Citation Excel, we don't have a microwave, so the pizza has to arrive hot, and then we just have to keep it hot somehow. Uh, thing is, you never say no, so we ordered it. Uh, the passengers were an hour late, and the pizza was cold. So that's something we just we try to do what we can with what we have, but the pizza's not going to stay hot for longer than an hour if the, if the passengers late themselves. So it's it, really crazy, I wouldn't say. It's just people are, they, they have their particular things like you like your keys to be where you put them you it's just a second home for these people and they want it uh, 
uh, in a way that they can enjoy the most. Okay, but let's be honest. A pizza is not the craziest thing you've ever been asked for. Um, it is. It is not actually. No, no. It's. It's most of all, it's beverages and food, though. It's. It, I say pizza now, but there's people who who have dietary restrictions or who really enjoy one type of, of alcoholic beverage or whatever. Uh, but still, I wouldn't call it crazy. If I would have my own personal jet and I would know I have a three-hour flight, I would probably also prefer some kind of bottle of, of champagne or wine or whatever. So uh, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's crazy. And um, I'm, I'm sure in your time you've had the opportunity to fly celebrities, and I don't want you to name who they are, but do they differ from, uh, from passengers? I'm just thinking in this sort of Instagram age, you know, uh, how, what's it like to fly celebrities around? Yeah, like as you said, the Instagram age, there's always like, if it's a real like A-list celebrity, there's a lot of videotaping and photography going on. Like when you're ready to go, you're like, shall we close the door? And they're like, no, we're going to walk up two more times. And we're not yeah, sure. Do you think so? It's, there is a lot of like, the visibility is important. They, they will walk up the stairs three times if that's required to take the perfect shot. So that's uh, interesting. Other than that, it's really hard to comment on it because um, from what I've learned in the, uh, in the business aviation industry is that people are people. If they're rich or famous or whatever, it doesn't matter. Some people are really nice. Some people will not talk to you. Some people will not notice you. Some people ask you every time how you're feeling. Uh, so it's really hard to say like, Celebrities are like this, and uh, big company managers are like that. It's 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 uh, too hard to say because people are are like individually different. I would say, and and I think that's a very good point. Having worked in business aviation myself, I one hundred percent agree with you. Is uh, from you know the very wealthy, the very famous. Uh, you know, it's all types of people. Obviously, there's uh, so it's nice to hear that that's uh, a common. A common thought or belief. Yeah. Um, would you say that being a private jet pilot is more dangerous than being an airline pilot? Um, actually, I would not. I I know. Uh, I've seen this in in my CRM course. I think I know that like before, like twenty thirty years ago, business aviation tended to be to have some kind of higher accident rate because of what they said was. Um, you have the customers in back, you know them, and just like I said before, they can come to talk to you and they will pressure you and they will put you in positions that you don't want to be in. Um, so I, I, I firmly believe that it was an, an, an issue back in the day. Um, however, these days, um, I, I can't say I've noticed a change, but what I've seen from when I started there, um, people understand danger, people understand aviation, people understand weather. Even if they don't fully grasp like what the what the meaning is of the words or, or the, the exact danger is, if you say we can't go there, uh, clouds, thunderstorm, whatever, usually they won't push you. They won't they won't make you go there. We will we'll find a solution. We'll find find an, an alternative airport, something. Um, but I really believe even now from the company as well, we are backed not to do dangerous things. If we can go, we can go. If we can go, we can go. So uh, I wouldn't say it's more dangerous, no. And I imagine there's a trust that's built uh, when you're flying with the same person over time. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. They... Um, here's another question. This is kind of a silly one, though. 
we see all these movies about private jet pilots smuggling things in and out of the country because they're not checked by customs and immigration and whatever. Fact or fiction? Um, I would say from what I've seen, fiction, uh, because we do have security checkpoints, we do have uh, customs control. Um, so it's, it's no more than, than other pilots, I think. Of course, there's people who buy boxes of cigarettes, but they're even, it's regulated. There's, there's rules, you can't take cigarettes. And so I, I firsthand, I have not uh, experienced any of that. And the other one I hear a lot is, um, okay, you, when you go somewhere with your principal, your customers, you stay in the same hotels, you live the same sort of life they do. Fact or fiction? I would say fiction, uh, absolutely fiction. Of course, we do sometimes get to stay in nice hotels. There are customers who say like, if the aircraft's in the airport and you're here, I want you close to me. If we have to leave or if we have to go anywhere, I just want you close to me. Sometimes we, we do stay in the same hotel. Uh, there are also customers who really say like, I do not want the crew in the same hotel to have some privacy. Uh, but to say that we have the same lifestyle, it's, it's uh, sleeping in the same hotel does not substitute like, living really the same lifestyle. They, we, we are being taken care of. We, uh, I really can't complain like, when I'm working about the, the, the things that are provided for me. Uh, but to say we, we live the same lifestyle, that's, uh, it really depends also on the airport even where you're going. Because the thing is, business aviation, we have, we have smaller aircraft than the, than the big uh, commercial ones. Um, so we tend to fly to smaller airports so the customers can get closer to their destination than they would be able to if they took a, a big airliner. Uh, and the thing with that is, uh, if you fly to London Heathrow, there's going to be air, uh, if you, airline lounges from like any company. There's going to be everything you want. If you fly to some small air, airfield in France, which is just the closest to the factory of the customer or whatever, it, it happens that there's nothing even like like uncontrolled or whatever you just land there you park the aircraft and you're like yeah we'll be here when you return and that's it so it's it really depends on on, on what's available of course now the quality of crew meals must be much better in business aviation uh, it, that also that depends on uh, on on what you take with you because there are flights that there is no uh, no food on board even if if, if the customer um, has ordered some catering or whatever of course usually there are some leftovers and we'll be fine and that's usually really good food but I wouldn't say um, that we that we count on that or even or even like no that's not what I want to say I, I wouldn't say we uh, we count on that. Um, but it does depend. Even also if we have hosts on the board, because I started playing the uh, challenge, Bombardier Challenger 350 last year. And on that one, we do have a, a cabin attendant. Um, and even there, it depends on which colleague you have. There are some that really like thrive in the kitchen and they want to show the people what they want to do. And others just know the good addresses, buy the good food and present it and whatever. So it's, it's really, even there, in that part of the job is a lot of variation. So, but still, no complaints whatsoever. We really, uh, we're taking care of. The other one is that you always get to fly the newest jets. Like you always, I mean, the Challenger 350 is obviously relatively new, but uh, that you're always in state-of-the-art aircraft. Um, well, again, uh, fact fiction, that's a hard thing. It's, it's again, uh, uh, 
more there's more to the story than, than just saying yes or no uh like as you said the, the challenge at 350 is beautiful it's it's factory new i think one and a half years old so it's really a, a dream to fly um on the other hand the citation excels we fly we have some of all ages we have we have um an aircraft that's 20 years old another one that's four years old so it's really different but in the end uh i believe it's it's even the older ones are, are pretty well maintained. They're, they're beautiful aircraft. People put a lot of efforts into it to keep them nice and, and also functioning properly. So it's really, um, really okay, really good thing. And what's the importance of a soft landing in business aviation? Well, people are right behind you. So uh, if they see which hand is on the throttle, they're going to know who, uh, who bumps the wheels uh, <laughs> on, the, on the runway. So it's, uh, it's something to pay attention to in the end again. The people understand they can talk. If it's snowy, you can say like, "I had to make a positive landing to touch the, the tarmac or whatever." There's, there's really no, uh, no worries. And you mentioned going into uh, smaller airports, which means that oftentimes there are more challenging airports. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, some of the interesting um, airports you've had to go in and out of. Anytime someone asks me a question, I, I immediately have to think of. Uh, Sion in Switzerland. It's uh, in a valley, and there is an. Uh, it's called an IGS, some of the miles, which takes you to about. I don't know what the what the height is above ground, but it it takes you through the valley, and like at some point you just have to start flying visually. You leave the hospital to the right, and you leave some kind of other building to the left, and then you'll be right on center line, and you can make a landing. It's a Kind of short runway, and it's 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 exciting, it's challenging, and every time after the touchdown, you you just stand there, you look at the valley, and you say like, this is this is awesome, this is something uh, like a, a really wonderful thing to to have done to like put people right where they need to be in the Alps. Sounds like a YouTube moment. Uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> could could be a YouTuber, really. <laughs> and. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, one of the airline pilots or airline people who work for airlines anyway. You know, one of the perks is passes, the deals you get on flights, the deals you get on hotels, cruises, etc. As a private pilot, can you take advantage of those? Well, unfortunately, if you're if you're in business aviation for the free flights, it's it's only going to be the flights you're piloting yourself. So, um, unfortunately, we don't get this kind of tickets or anything. Uh, of course, we do save points with hotel chains. Um, other than that, I'm uh, I'm afraid you're, you're going to have to to find the tickets uh, elsewhere. I guess my last question to you mm-hmm. is: being a private jet pilot as glamorous as everybody thinks it is? I would say no. Like the way you ask the question, I expect everybody to for it to be really, really glamorous. It is. It's fun. We're being taken care of. But as I said before. There are some countries and airports or, or places you go that even if the people say like we will pay for a good hotel or a good taxi cab or whatever, if they only have terrible equipment, you're you're not gonna get any any glamour. So it really really depends on where we go. And if you were um, just as we end, I mean, you clearly love your job. You clearly yeah. enjoy it. Um, what would you tell someone today who's you know, 
maybe in a CAE Academy. Um, at a, we've kind of gone from this massive pilot shortage to yeah. you know, uh, a number of pilots, uh, you know, are currently not working and uh, mm-hmm. it's a little mm-hmm. bit uncertain. But if you have a passion for aviation, and uh, you sort of mentioned it in your bio, right? You, there was not a lot of jobs out there at the time, and you went and you started cleaning aircraft. But what, so what would you say to someone who is in that situation? They, they're passionate about it. They want the career. You know, maybe they're in the academy or not. Like, really, as I, as I said before, I think most important now is, is to, to stay active, like to, to have some kind of job, and preferably, I would say, in aviation. That's exactly how it went with me. I was cleaning aircraft with a business aviation operator, uh, and I met the operations manager of a different operator, just cleaning an aircraft, walking through the corridor. So it's really keep meeting people, keep looking around, keep asking, keep, keep, keep seeing what's, what's there, and um, in, the end, in the end, you will get there. They're, they're, they will get better than this, so uh, we're, uh, yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much for having taken the time to chat with us. I think it's been very enlightening. Um, you've got some wonderful stories, and I think people will uh, maybe have a little bit of a different view of uh, the role of uh, a private pilot as you've sort of dispelled some of the, uh, the stereotypes out there. So, Leonard, thank you so much uh, for having joined us. Patrick, thank you for having me. Have a wonderful day. Same to you. CAE Pilot Podcast is brought to you by CAE, the global leader in training for the civil aviation, defense and security, and healthcare markets. For more information, check out CAE.com.